Welcome to the Conversations About Light podcast, a King's Cross podcast illuminating our desire to engage in lighthearted conversations that are grounded in scripture. Our hope is that through these conversations, our community will be encouraged and grow in their curiosity about light. Good morning to Josh and Jib sitting right next to me morning. here on this sunny morning in Perth. There you are, Caleb. How's it Hello. going? Yeah, I'm doing well. What about you, Jib? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah? Yourself, Josh? Very well, thanks. Yeah? Very, very well. Your um, dance was a bit uh, yeah. bit muted this oh, morning. Oh, was it? It oh, wasn't as expressive as normal. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, today we are going to be talking about holy sexuality. It will be very interesting. It's perfect. I think a lot of people can identify with that. So yeah. <laughs> it's great. Awesome. Well, I suppose, yeah, sex sells in our culture. Yeah. It does. Yeah. This will be our most listened to episode. Yeah. yeah or <laughs> least listened to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find out soon. Clickbait. We're making clickbait. <laughs> The question I have for you guys this morning, and Josh, you didn't answer oh. um, last week, and you handballed over to to Jib, so I'm definitely going to oh, stick with you on this one. Oh. Um, but that doesn't mean you're out out of it, Jib. Mm, no, thanks. <laughs> so picture yourself as an eight year old boy. Mm-hmm. What would you do tomorrow if you woke up as an eight year old child? Do I have my current mental faculties, or am I? If I lost all the wisdom, I'm, all the great yeah, wisdom I've gained over the years. Well, your yeah. your faculties, you'll think like a child, but you'll be aware oh, that you you're just yeah, a child just momentarily. A child. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd write a list. Like you'd um, write a list. Eight-year-old <laughs> <laughs> Josh. If I had, of all the things I know, like hey, buy buy Apple stock, you know, <laughs> those would be some good some good tips. <laughs> Um, I was going to say, like, I'd climb a tree or something. Yeah, what's something you can do as a child that you wouldn't be able to do now as an adult? As I'm getting older, there's so many things that I can no longer do. Um, Enjoy enjoy your body, I guess. Surf a lot more, get outdoors, do do all the, yeah. Um, Just enjoy those years. I think sometimes when you look back, you go, oh, remember the good old days. And to um, and someone said these are the good old days. Just wait and see. Yeah. So I'm um, yeah. just trying to be present and I don't know, enjoy enjoy myself. Very diplomatic. Yeah, answer, very diplomatic. Josh. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> what about yeah. you, Jim? <laughs> and do some insider well. trading, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eight-year-old Josh has got it all insider, together. <laughs> in to, insider trading and enjoy the good life. <laughs> Not the answer I was looking for, but it was the answer I deserved. <laughs> uh, look uh, for my answer. It's it's. Pokemon cards and monkey bars. Um, <laughs> but I was helped a lot by you guys having the conversation first. And so when Caleb said something maybe you could do when you're younger that you can't do now, monkey bars, goodness gracious me. Like on, on a good day, maybe I can do a few pull-ups. But to actually like move from one bar to another and my oldest, Daniel, is too small for them but he has the strength to hold himself up. And so really eight is kind of like the sweet spot yeah. where, you're, where you're quite light. A playground is a lot of fun. So definitely yeah. hitting at the playground. Yes. And I remember <laughs> probably at about eight years old playing with Pokemon cards and sincerely believing, I don't know why it came up, but sincerely believing that I'd be playing with Pokemon cards for the rest of my life. I just uh. imagined a grown-up version of me who looked <laughs> identical except he had like a little bit of facial hair, maybe a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love it. Playing with Pokemon cards. So yes. that's what I do. That's yeah. so cool. And yeah. I suppose keep, you can keep ta- the dream alive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can take that insider trader knowledge yeah. as an eight-year-old and really clean up with the Pokemon. That's cards. right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how they work, but I assume you trade and things really like valuable that. these days. I think. Yeah, so, yeah. There you go. Cool. Um, yeah. So today we are reading from one Corinthians six verses nineteen and twenty. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So this week's topic or theme is holy sexuality, um, honouring God with our sexuality, with our bodies that he's given us. Um, What are you guys noticing from this piece of scripture or what's your uh, introductory thoughts yeah it's, it's a great passage i'd encourage anyone listening if you're not like listening in the car or something or have your hands full washing the dishes uh grab a bible and read maybe from verse 12 paul goes into a little bit more depth there but those last two verses do really sum it up uh, our sexuality and how we engage with it is one of the ways that we honour God and acknowledge that we really do not belong to ourselves, but we've been mm. bought. And I like to say that we've been bought several times over, actually. God created us mm. and Jesus saved us at great cost that we can never repay. And our experience of God is that he is generous to us. And so several times over, we have been bought. I feel very comfortable saying my body is not my own, but it belongs to Jesus. And I think that's a great way to look at uh, to prompt the question, how am I going to honour God with my own body? And that applies, of course, very strongly in the realm of sexuality. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think like Jib said, this passage is on dealing with sexual ethics, you know, is, is one way to sort of define it. And Paul's conclusion is what, what Caleb, you just read, that you belong to God. And that is fundamentally different to what our world believes. And so yeah. this doctrine is difficult uh, culturally because the culture tells you you own your own body, you can do whatever you want, there is no, you know, there's no limit on you, how dare anyone tell you to do anything with your body. And so this doctrine is completely opposed to the current culture. If you live in a Western, Western culture, mm-hmm. this is completely opposed to it. So I think that's one thing you definitely notice when you, when you read this text. The other thing earlier in, in this text is where Paul says, I will not be ruled by anything. Yeah. And then he goes on to describe how the sexuality uh, can. He kind of gives this example, and and it's it's one of you you end up being ruled by it. And so the yeah. the irony of our culture is that the cries of freedom, like I want to be free, I want to be free, and when you buy into that lie, you and you believe that yes, my body's my own, I can do whatever I want with it. You buying in because of the promise of freedom. Yeah. And Paul just radically opposes that, and he says, "No, it's it will rule you. It yeah. will rule you." And I think that's a kind of a big big deal. And those are the big points in our culture. The promise of freedom is not real. You will be ruled by it, yeah. and it will break you down. It will, you know, um, it will it will actually destroy you. Um, Paul goes on to saying, you know, in that passage, he's like, "When you do this, you sing even against your own body." So it's a very, very hard-hitting passage, but also um, very wonderful, yeah. uh, the opportunity of real freedom. Yeah. So, and that's what Christ is offering. You know, if, if you give me your body, if you 
belong to me. I have freedom. And so I think this this challenges us as believers because we want our own quote-unquote freedom, which leads to the opposite, mm-hmm. to being ruled. And yet Christ stands there offering us a real freedom only found in submission to his lordship and, and to giving ourselves to him. Yeah. Mm. So good. Yeah. How do you think we're comforted by God um, with any struggles that we may have with our sexuality? I think there are a couple of things to talk about here. I think almost everyone struggles with their sex- sexuality in some way. Different things will spring to different people's minds. And one of those is uh, the culture we live in where, where sex is portrayed as free and and there are a lot of systems in place and, and things that people do to make it appear free and we see it in a lot of media. Uh, that's sort of what a lot of people are going to think about with sexuality. Some people are going to have struggles where their uh, desires are different to what the majority desires around them are. Uh, they might be attracted to people of the same sex as they are and that's might, that might be the first thing that they think of. But what applies equally to both is that God intended sex for particular circumstances, uh, and we don't have to be vague about that, it's for marriage, mm. and didn't intend marriage for everyone. Jesus speaks on that very clearly. And mm. so there's some comfort there in that it's very easy to come into this kind of conversation or think about this kind of thing, especially if you haven't had the experience before, going, this, this is an essential human experience, this is something that I must have one way or another, even if I'm waiting patiently for it, uh, it, it, it can easily become an idol. It can easily become an expectation of the fulfillment of our human experience. And the reality is it's not the fulfillment of, of our human experience. It's not essential to experience in this life. It's not going to be part of uh, eternal life after the resurrection. And yet the eternal life after the resurrection will not be deficient in any way. And so to me that really is comforting the, the understanding that sex isn't as big as the culture around me makes it yeah. uh, and, and as big in other ways, but, but it, it isn't vital to my experience like the culture around me makes it. How can I let go of it a bit, yeah. uh, maybe let go of it a lot and not be ruled by my desire for it? Yeah, very good. It's almost um, what I'm hearing you say is there's like this heavy <coughs> influence to be defined by your sexuality. Yeah. Like our, our culture, um, in a way, makes that the primary goal. Yeah, this is how you're going to express yourself. This is how you're going to be fulfilled. This is going to how, how you're going to have fun. Or, right. Yeah, so many different ways. And then mm. there's actually a countercultural like response to that, what, we, what you're sort of saying. Yeah, I think, uh, that's, and, and Jib, that's exactly right what you're pointing at. It, it's an idol in our culture. Yeah. And it not only then identifies, it becomes like an essential part of your identity. And that's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it, it, can never, you can, it can never provide an identity for you. It can only ultimately um, wreck your identity. And so when, when our culture makes sexuality an identity, you, then when you touch it, it's like you are touching who I am. And that, yeah. That's actually not true, but it feels like that. And so... I wonder when we when we're engaging with people and helping just to be aware of that 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 kind of you touching something that they feel is who they are, and that's how they experience it. But mm. there's hope that that doesn't have to define you and hold you, and and um, 
so I think it's being aware that, that that's how the culture sits, yeah. but not buying into that. But then also uh, speaking to it and trying to trying to you know ask questions that even show that you know you are more and and people I think readily agree. You know, you, are you more than your sexuality? Like are people, of course. And so yeah. when you get mm. people thinking about that, that helps. That that kind of can open up conversations about going deeper, and and maybe even towards conversations about Christ separate from these kind of issues that kind of yeah. defend you. I think, and that's probably engaging with people who aren't in the church or don't believe in Jesus, but with, with us who do believe in Jesus, to be aware that this is a, if this becomes an identity, it can also wreck your humanity. It can wreck you in a way. And there's hope in the gospel for that. And, and I say that because we're probably likely to have people listening to this who have um, sexuality in, in their sexuality, not followed God's ways and, yeah, and, yeah. and things like that. There is sufficient goodness and grace and rescue in God that if we choose to um, come back to him in a sense, move away from that uh, that kind of idolatry and readjust, we spoke about being transformed by our, our minds, begin to say, God, what do you think about this, these issues? And and I think there's hope in in transforming our out of what our culture has blinded us to, you know, mm-hmm. a culture's made this an idol. It's made it everything. It's made it your identity, and Jesus can rescue us from that in, in a real way. But it takes some courage and some transformation, some th- some thought, some asking God to help, and and I think yeah. But there's hope. There's to yeah to be restored in that sense that it doesn't become your identity anymore. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy for uh, people who don't intend to have sex outside of marriage to feel like this is not actually uh, a sin issue for them, that, that it's not potentially an idol yeah. for them. Uh, but even a man marrying a woman, having sex with her exclusively, or and, and vice versa, a woman marrying a man, that is, there can still be idolatry in there. There can still be the expectation that entering this is going to... Uh, redeem all the sexual <laughs> desires I've yeah. ever had. It's going to make it so that I'm never tempted to look at anyone else again. It's going yeah. to take yeah. away all the brokenness. It's actually easy from outside of marriage to idolize marriage or to enter marriage uh, where, with sex as an idol and have the wrong expectations on it. So I just want to put it out there that, yeah. that idolatry, uh, it's, it's so pervasive in the culture that we live in. Most of us experience it. Most of us buy into it to varying degrees. And so when we talk about the brokenness of this world's experience of sexuality, not to be looking at others and, and thinking it's talking about someone that's not you, mm. you know, but rather uh, to reflect and go, this, there's goodness here as a gift from God um, for the right circumstances. How do I ga- engage with it, if at all, in a godly way? Yeah, yeah very good. And what, what I'm... Hearing, I suppose, is the the obvious nature of this conversation is we are created as sexual beings. So there's sexuality is a part of who we are. Sure. Um, but perhaps there's it's related to our brokenness. There's this misunderstanding of what that means, like what it means to be loved or valued or mm. um, cared for. And our culture puts an emphasis on sexuality means this it defines who you are but god has this different idea of what sexuality is um 
So how do we see our sexuality the way God sees it? That's a great question, Caleb. One way is how do we love people with it? So even within marriage, are you loving self-sacrificially? Are you loving, whether it's in sex or outside of sex, but sex is the, is the marriage is the context for sex. Is it for the good of the other person? Is it uh, selfless? Is it desiring their best? That's something that we're all called to mm-hmm. in and outside of marriage. I think, it I might think have, in seeing it in God's way, that the, the scripture there describes that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So that's, mm-hmm. I guess, how God sees it. And earlier in that passage, Paul had said, you know, would, would you take um, what is united to Christ and united to a prostitute? Right. And, he, and then he very, very strongly says, if you do that, um, the two are becoming one. And so there's this kind of essential. So I think to take seriously um, what God says would be one way of looking at it, um, yeah. not flippantly or, you know, under the guise of total freedom is, is ours uh, to do whatever we want. But no, we do belong to God. And then in the sense of worship and belonging to God and how do I honor God with all things, but then including my sexuality. So I want to honor God in the way I behave, in the, what the things I do, the, even my thoughts. But then that surely must come into the realm of my sexuality. And how does God view this? And he views it as a way of honoring um, your relationship with him of, um, you know, something's only beautiful if it has a value to it, you know, so you go, well, if, you know, if I, if I gave you one of my, my, um, my mints here, uh, I have like 10 packs of them. And I, so it doesn't mean I like, uh, and I feel very free to oh, I have mints. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> if I came, if you came to my house and you wanted, you know, I have a, a, a hunting knife that my, my father gave me, right. you, I wouldn't give that to you because yeah. it's valuable, you know? And right. so it's kind of, and if we consider us as belonging to God, then, then do we see it in that way? This is something that is that is I am honoring. I get to honor and worship God with. And very then good. if I ever gave it to someone, that knife to someone it would be a very important moment. You know? Yeah. So that I think in marriage it's, it's like that in sex with sex, but also I think just with sexuality in general, it's a precious gift yeah. that belong that we can worship God with, and that mm. that's uh, it's worship. Yeah. Um, even yeah. to, even to oh. abstain can be worship. It's amazing. It's beautiful, and that brings hope. Not like I think the sexual freedom idea. Actually, the longer people are in that, and I've heard so many stories of people who are just broken and crushed by that false notion of it. Whereas yeah. the wor- the worship notion is incredible mm. and helpful and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's such a beautiful way to put it. I love it. It is everything can be worship, and. Sex is such an obvious example where it, it can be done selfishly, and but no good thing that God has given us is um, for us to use selfishly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I love how that how how you put that, Josh. Is that it's sexuality is a gift that's mm. been given, and we can look to God to see like how do we use this to worship you? Yeah, um, and and take that to Him. So just in closing then, I wonder what an encouragement can be for us um, in thinking about what does it mean to have a holy sexuality. I'd maybe ask two two questions that come from the text. Um, First one where Paul says, I will not be ruled by anything. (laughs) 
what a statement! Uh, yeah. what, what imagine to be able to say to say something like that about our sexuality, and I will not be ruled by this. What a great uh, framework! What a great desire! So my, my challenge would be: Hey, could you re- desire at least, or aim at those that God? I see. Yeah, I have been ruled by this. God, would you help me not to be ruled by this? That would be amazing to take that that framework. Um, and then two would be my worship question we just sort of raised. God, how how can I um, honor you and worship you through sexual with sexuality in mind as a way of honoring God as I am His honor to Him. Mm-hmm.